When you need to work quickly and confidently, you need Grammarly. It's a trusted AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with better writing. And it works where you work, across 500,000 apps and websites. 96% of users agree Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barca Talk, Antoine Griezmann chalked up another goal, and Sergi Roberto got his first of the season in a 2-1 win against Hetafe in the Camp Nou. Jordi Alba suffered an injury, the extent of which is still unknown. Samuel Umtiti and Clement Longley are both in danger of missing El Clasico, and Barca B players are getting more looks for the first team. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid, as always, is my co-host and your tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are we doing, buddy? I went old school today. I know, I see that. Standard intro. <laughs> Set you up just right, just the you way did. you like it. Yep. It was like a one-two bread and butter assist play. <laughs> I'm doing okay in this yep. moment. The yes. longer we record, I can't say what'll happen. Oh. I'm on these meds. Yeah. And they're meds to help me quit smoking. And it's really helping with that and it's working. So I want to keep taking them. I could just stop taking them. Sure. But that would cause problems. Right now my priority is quitting smoking. But they do have a tendency to make me feel uh a little depressed at times, or if not depressed, kind of like disassociated from everything that's happening around me. Sure. So I feel like I'm kind of like in my little bubble. Mm-hmm. Right now, I feel engaged good, and like alert and part of what's happening. I don't know what'll, where I'm going to be by the end <laughs> of this episode, <laughs> but so, that's where I'm at right now. So quick, let's get to the Hatafi roundup. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, man. I was uh, enjoying a beautiful day here in Madrid and just it's been sunny today and this whole weekend and, you know, it's when it's sunny here. The terraces are alive. The beer is flowing, and it's just a good time. So I was yeah. hanging out with some friends earlier, but we were just at the park just talking, and it's just so much fun and just seeing everyone out. So, you know, uh, spring is coming finally here in Spain, and everyone's really ready for it. We've luckily been having a mild winter in Buffalo, but right now, yeah, like the other day, it was like 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Yikes. Today, it's 36. So, yeah, we're all out barbecuing. <laughs> same, you know, same here. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, before we dive into the episode itself uh i have an announcement gabriel and i have already talked about this but for our listeners um i'm going to have to start taking taking on a slightly smaller role on the show i'm not leaving the show i'm still going to be involved i'm still going to be running it and still be you know very much a part of the team but i'm going to start trying to essentially get off mic a little bit and be go more behind the scenes of uh running the podcast that means that Gabriel is in need of a, a new co-host. The way Correct. we want to do is we want to start off with uh, uh, bringing in someone new to join him on the Thursday. Well, we record it on Thursdays. It usually comes out on Friday. Um, that episode, you know, the pre-weekend episode, and then I'll still come on mic on the Sunday episode. And, you know, we'll sort of see how things go and maybe ultimately transition to a full-time co-host for Gabriel, and then I'll remain behind the scenes handling the audio editing and posting the episodes and 
and all that sort of business. So it's really just like the planning of the episode and then recording it. That's the the duty, the role that I'm trying to uh, take a step back from in the coming weeks. So if any of you listeners feel like this is something you want to do and you feel like something you could do, drop us a line at barsatalkpod at gmail.com and uh, you know we can start that whole process. So anyway, that's the news with the show. Let's talk about news with FC Barcelona, though. Uh, first up is the fact that after the Hatafe win on Saturday, Antoine Griezmann told the press, I've been here for seven months and we still have to learn each other's movements. He's talking about him and Messi, but it will get better with time. And he went on to say, we're enjoying working together and I'm sure it will get better. So he was asked about, you know, working with Messi and his relationship with Messi. So my question is, how does this square with the interview he Griezmann gave in France football that was published last week that sort of detailed his troubles adapting to the locker room and this persistent suspicion that Messi might have some kind of beef with Griezmann or... They're just not connecting on the field. Like, how does this square with that statement? I mean, it's just public PR, right? Everything's fine. I mean, we talked about this before. I mean, everything's fine, you know? Yeah. But we saw, I mean, what I noticed more in the Hitafi match was that Messi was definitely trying to find Griezmann a bit more than normal. And as we talked about on the Thursday episode was that it's crucial that they are on the same page because we need Griezmann's goals, you know, and we need Messi to help and look for him. So again, I think it is, it does coincide with this article. I mean, the other thing with this article was it was done through a, you know, third person handler with Griezmann in the room with the quotes and so forth. So again, it's not directly Griezmann, but it's understood to be Griezmann as well. So again, it's all this type of issue. Again, I need them to be on the same page. They're both great world-class players. They will figure it out. They just, you know, I think it's more about Messi's part because we have seen, you know, especially on the games, Griezmann doing above and beyond his part to try to be involved and to really help the team. And I just think it's more about Messi just really looking for him and trying to find those passes. And as we saw in the Hitafe match, like he definitely tried to make a concerted effort for that. So if that continues, then I think it's going to be okay because with more goals come will come more wins and more success. Do you think Messi is at all hoping that Suarez will just come back sooner than later and that they won't have to work on this with Griezmann too much? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I definitely think that. I mean, I'm, I'm betting everything that he hopes that Suarez comes sooner than later so that he doesn't have to form a partnership with Griezmann. You know, it's almost kind of having an affair. Yeah, every you know? morning he's <laughs> over at Suarez's house knocking on his door. Like, how are you today? Yeah, how how's, are you today? Yeah. How's that knee? Here's some mate, you know, here we go. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, obviously with Griezmann and Messi being on the same page is going to lead to more points, more success, more, I mean, everything. It's it's super beneficial. But, I mean, I still think there is something behind the scenes that's still going on. And until Messi lets that go completely, then they'll ultimately be on the same page because Griezmann is waiting. You know, he's ready. He's, he's oh, yeah. ready for the, hu- he's ready for the hug. Yeah. You know, it's not your fault. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we'll get into this a little bit more when we're breaking down the actual match, but there was that moment when Messi assisted Griezmann on his goal and Griezmann's run and Messi's assist, it almost looked choreographed, but it was certainly sharp and they definitely had their eyes on each other. And there was a, there was a moment of chemistry. Definitely. And, and it, it really goes to, you know, with Messi, when he gives you an assist, you can't let him down, right? <laughs> right. He's the type. He's the type of you know. If you equate it to a point guard in basketball, or whatnot. But again, if he gives you a dime, 
you cannot let him down. And if you continue to let him down, he will not give you any more assists or right. potential assists. So the fact that Griezmann converted on that, and especially was a really nice goal. We'll talk about that more in detail. But the more he has success by com- making these conversions, then Messi will just have more confidence and realize, yeah, Griezmann is a World Cup winner. He is a Euro winner. He's a world-class player. Yeah, we should be on the same page because we're going to win more games. Yeah, it's for everyone. It's for the benefit of everyone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And everyone we want to see it. We want to see it because then it's more goals, and then obviously we're winning more games, and we're on a you know we're on a better trend. You know that's the thing, and we know that we've seen Griezmann in the last five years in La Liga how good of a player he is. So this is not something that is should be a surprise to Messi, but he just has to trust him. However, that happens. Yeah. Well, trust is not easily won or earned. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, remember everyone, you know, we're always looking for more supporting members for this podcast. We're trying to grow beyond the point of asking for your support. But for now, listeners like you are the primary source of support for the show. So if you like the show, you want it to continue and get even better, support it now. Find the link to our support page at the top of the details for this episode. We have two support channels. You can join as a monthly supporter on Patreon for two, five or eight dollars a month. Or you can make a one-time donation starting at $30 without having to sign up on Patreon or anything else. You don't have to sign up for anything. Both of those options are on the support page at BarsaTalk.net, and that link in the details for the episode will take you straight there. Today we're going to talk about the fact that Leo Messi hasn't scored in 390 minutes and the talk among some fans and commentators that his form may be dipping. But that segment is only for our members. So join up now, or if you're a former member, consider rejoining, and you'll get to hear that segment. But for all of our listeners, uh, let's talk about the the situation with Umtiti and Longley. They're both in danger of missing El Clasico, because there's one game against Ibar to go before facing Real Madrid in La Liga, and both Samuel Umtiti and Clement Longley are sitting on four yellow cards. So if either of them are booked in the Ibar match, they'll miss the Clasico. Who would you line up or how would you strategize for the Ibar match knowing this, Gabriel? I would go two ways. I would either go with uh, Umtiti and just sacrifice him knowing I want to keep Longley for the Clasico because I think he suits our team better against Real Madrid. Or go with the youngster, Ronald, mm-hmm. and just have him go take the Ibar one, and then you still have Umtiti and Longley to choose. And also on top of that, they'll have another week of rest. They'll even be more fresh. And so that's those are my two options I would do. I can see Setien just going with Umtiti and sacrificing that and then using Longley for the Classico. Yeah. Araujo has been getting uh, bench time with the first team, at least. So if you had to pick a match for him to play on the first team, I think, against Ibar, not that they're a pushover team, not by any means, but it is at the Camp Nou. It's Ibar, which I think he should be able to handle. I think that would be a good opportunity for Araujo. I think so, too. And again, I want to see him sooner than later, because if he gets more playing time, if something happens in the future... He has that game under his belt, you know? And again, if confidence breeds success, right? And so if he just goes to this high bar match and he does well enough, then all of a sudden Setien has confidence in him. And then all of a sudden the team feels better. And if something were to happen in the future where Umtiti or Longley gets injured or with the yellow card situation again, then you can know you can depend on Ronald. But again, I, you know, it depends how I feel, right? They're riding momentum right now. So I would definitely say go with Umtiti. 
It's, I think it's just all about the momentum right now because especially since we are, as we are recording right now, we are tied with Real Madrid at this moment. <laughs> but it can change tonight, right? And again, going into this Ibar match, we have to get those three points. So again, I just think you go with the veteran, you go with Umtiti to ride that momentum and get those three points. Yeah, and don't forget, in between that Ibar match and the Clasico is that Champions League match with Napoli. So if you think about you bring PK into the discussion, right? He had that little groin issue. He missed a match to suspension against Hatafe, but you know who knows what his physical situation could be going into the Clasico after with Ibar and Napoli coming. Again, this is the this is the hardest thing because you know, I'm you know, ever since we've been recording, I'm always a proponent to get the youngsters in somehow, right? And sacrifice that and I know the level is going to go down, but at least you get experience so that in the future. So it's really hard for me, especially against this match against Ibar, because part of me really wants to put Arahu in, you know, because I want him to get experience. And I think this is, like you said, a great um, matchup against Ibar to put him in and get him some confidence. But at the same time, if you put him in and he screws up, then all of a sudden you lose that momentum and then all of a sudden we're down six points. So again, it's a really hard decision to make. Now, if I was the manager... You know, I was I would be hoping that throughout the season I'm sprinkling these youngsters, so I wouldn't have to depend on this one match against Ivar right. in, in February. You know, <laughs> yeah, so that they would have this confidence, so it wouldn't be such a big issue. But since you know we had Valverde before, who didn't use the youngsters, and now Setin is using them a little bit more, but at the same time he cannot lose ground to Real Madrid. So again, I just think it just points to him TT getting that start. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it occurs to me it's always rough to watch someone new get their on the job training. You know, like if you ever go to like I don't know, a car rental place, an airline, um, a fast food restaurant, whatever, just like you can always tell when someone's new. And <laughs> I'm always just trying to be nice to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's patient. Okay. It's OK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're doing yeah. fine. But it is hard to watch. And at this level, that's just multiplied by 100. <laughs> exactly. When you see like a new guy such as Araujo. I mean, he has played for the first team, but very, very little. And it's going to it would be hard to watch. But yeah. at the same time, you just know that, like, well, you know, that's the only way that they're going to get what they need to develop and you, learn. You can't hide them, you know. Right. And, and the other side, the I-bar forwards, if they see him start, they're licking their chops, you know, because they're like, oh, my God, it's a rookie. We can do this move. We can do that move. All of a sudden, it just opens up this playbook, you know. I'm always the proponent, like, especially try to sprinkle in the, the rookies, the youngsters as much as possible throughout the season when you can. Because, again – especially in this moment. It would have been really nice to have Rahu get how already had two games before. So that when he goes into this game, you're not losing anything. And then also you just save Umtiti and Long Lake for the Classico. You have no you know, there's no decision to be made, you know, on the card situation, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's really difficult. You know, we're always talking about these players, about these youngsters, about how much they would want to play. But again, where do they play? How much they play? That's what's the toughest decision as a Barca manager. Injuries and loans have left the squad thin, but that is starting to open some doors for B-team players, in the short term at least. Here with a report on Barca B is Max Bluer. One thing we can all agree on is that the spectacularly bad squad planning carried out by Bartomeu this season has had a debilitating effect on the first team of Football Club Barcelona. Barca managed to end January with just 18 first-team players, two of whom, Suarez and Dembélé, are probably out for the rest of the season. Even if Barca do manage to bring in Angel Rodriguez, or whoever they end up with, to replace the Frenchman, it's frankly ridiculous just how few players Barca have in their squad. Naturally, this has a knock-on effect for Barca B. Neto's injury has meant that Iñaki Peña has been on the bench for the first team, and hasn't played a single minute for Barca B in 2020. And while Sergi Puig has been an able deputy, 
The team has missed Inyaki's dominance of his penalty area and his cat-like reflexes. Likewise, Tobido's departure in January has left Ronald Araujo, the pillar of Barcelona's defence, as the first team's fourth-choice centre-back, meaning that whenever Umtiti's knees give up on him, or Piquet Longley gets suspended, Garcia Pimienta is denied the services of the Uruguayan too. Moving further forward, Ricky Puj has missed Barcelona's last five games as he's been needed with the first team to make sure Barca are able to fill their bench. His position at the heart of midfield has been taken by Yandro Oriana. Although Oriana is an excellent prospect, and already a very good player, Ricky's absence has been seen Barca Bay lose much of their ability to control games in midfield, a defining characteristic of the team so far this season. While in the forward line, Alex Coelho has also been absent in recent weeks, as he takes a place on the bench of the first team. In the same way that Ricky's absence has seen Barca Bay lose much of their control, Coelho's absence has taken away much of the team's cutting edge in the final third. He's one of Barca Bay's best players working in tight spaces, with an exquisite touch that allows him to escape opposition defenders, even when surrounded. In a team that dominates possession, and that consistently pushes the opposition back to the edge of their own penalty area, players with Coyado's close control and long shooting ability are worth their weight in gold. Of course, I should be clear here, it's absolutely fantastic that Barca Bear players are getting opportunities with the first team. Having a youngster like Araujo's fourth-choice centre-back makes complete sense, as it enables him to gain experience in and around the first team dynamic, while at the same time saving on the wages a more established performer might demand. Moreover, Araujo looks a better prospect than Todibo, or at the very least a more mature defender, further advanced along his personal learning curve. Ricky and Alex, meanwhile, are the types of La Masia product that Camp Nou demands and yearns for. Smooth and graceful in possession, fleet of foot and even faster to conceive and execute an idea. Both of them, perhaps more so Ricky, have the potential to be Kool-Aid fan favourites for a decade or more. No surprise then that this pair of 20-year-olds are making it into the matchday squad more often than not in recent weeks, particularly bearing in mind how depleted in numbers the first team is. But the trade-off is that Barca Bay denied the services of some of their best players, just as we approach the business end of a season in which the boys are in the hunt for promotion to Segunda. And perhaps for that reason, Ricky, Iñaki and Alex were all in Barca Bay's squad for the weekend trips to Atletico Levante, about which we'll have more details next time. In a bizarre turn of events, Hiroke Abe and Usman Dembele both suffered the same injury on the same match day. It's been Dembélé's potential replacement that has captured all of the media attention, but Barca Bay will also be able to replace their stricken winger, assuming the federation gives them the go-ahead. The only name mentioned in the press so far is that of Dani Domera, the Cadiz striker on loan at Alcorcón, who back in the 2016-17 season scored 18 goals for Barca Bay. However, that won't be happening, as the rules state that the replacement for a long-term injury cannot be a player who's already on loan. Barca Bay have made one signing since we last spoke, though. Left-footed central defender Santiago Ramos has arrived from Boca Juniors on a free transfer, hence he's able to sign outside of the transfer window. The 18-year-old Argentine arrives as cover for Ronald Araujo when he's off with the first team. On the pitch, Barca Bay finally lost their unbeaten record at the Estadio Johan Cruyff when they went down 3-2 to tabletoppers Villarreal Bay last weekend. Our old friend Rafa Mujica got one for the visitors in the very first minute and the yellow submarine made it 2-0 shortly after. Although Kike Severio and Gerard Peque an under-19 striker who's making his debut in place of the suspended Ray Minaj, got it back to 2-2. Villarreal Bay got another one and went into the break 3-2 up. No goals in the second half meant the first defeat for Barca Bay at the Estadi. The weekend before that, though, Barca managed a 2-1 victory at A.E. Pratt, with a goal from the penalty spot by debutant Ray Minaj and a last-minute winner by American Conrad de la Fuente, who in the end looked set to sign the contract that he had been holding out on for months. Next time, I'll have details of Barca Bay's trip to Atletico Levante and the home match against Hercules. For Barca Talk, I'm Max Bluer. And now for the main event. Let's break down 
the win over Hatafe in the Camp Nou. This was match day 24 in La Liga. It was a 2-1 win. So the first thing to really talk about is Hatafe's pressure. When we were scouting out this match, getting ready for it, we were talking about the possibilities. And you had brought up the fact that if they play a 4-3-3, they were probably, that Barcelona was probably going to have to deal with a lot of pressure. And they did. Hatafe put the pressure on in the midfield as we expected. And it was not pretty. This is the same thing. That's been happening, not for one year, not two years, but for six years, Brian. Everyone has the book on this 4-3-3 press against Barca. I just don't understand, you know, how many times did you count Ter Stegen static? Yeah. Waiting for someone to For a to long move, time. Right? And when that happens, Hitafe just feeds off of that because they know they, they have everyone covered and there's no options, you know? You think about back in the day, we were able to beat these presses because we had the, the most amazing midfield that moved, right? So once they got the ball, everyone knew where to go. We don't have that now. So what do you have to do? You have to bring more numbers into the pitch. But again, we just never did that. Like we're always depending, especially the the last resort on this was a Ter Stegen long ball and a flick to the corner. Mm-hmm. Like that's what was, that's, Brian, that is like football 101 when you learn when you're 17. It's like up the middle, flick it to the corner. You know, it's like we need to adjust this. We're a professional team. Either we need to bring Fati and Griezmann more to help with the pressure of the midfield, or we just have to flood the numbers even more at the beginning. Like instead of having four in the flat, have five, you know, so you get more options. But again, we talked about this in the scouting report. I knew this was going to be a difficult game, and it proved to be. I mean, luckily, we scored first. But again, this pressure gave us problems throughout the match. Yeah, we almost didn't score first. <laughs> there was that. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, before any scoring happened, Barcelona took a bit of a loss. Jordi Alba had to come off with uh, what looked like a groin pull. The club announced that tests confirmed he has an injured right adductor. Uh, and currently, as far as I can tell, there's no projection as to his recovery time. And Junior Firpo came on for him and ultimately assisted in Sergio Roberto's goal. I was happy about this because, again, I've been clamoring. I was I was watching the game with some friends yesterday, and I was like, Jordi Alba does nothing now. He does nothing, Brian. And he hasn't missed a game since 2008. I mean, you have to just keep repeating that. And when you watch him now, he's just a shell of what he used to be. And you just notice when Junior Firpo came, the dynamic ability, he was just going for it more. You can see he's starting to get more comfortable, especially in the system, getting more confidence and obviously with his assist. But again, going back to the Jordi Alba thing, this adductor thing, Brian, this is for your leg to get into the middle. So like when you pass, for mm-hmm. example, and it really hurts, right? And so this is one of those things where, yeah, if he's out for one, two, three, four games, I'm okay with that because I have more faith in Junior Firpo that's going to be able to go up and down and be a little bit more dynamic than Jordi Alba was because ultimately these last matches – you just watch Jordi Alba walks so much now, and he's basically hindering our attack than helping our attack. Right, and if Junior Firpo isn't what Jordi Alba used to be in, on the attacking end of things, that's fine because neither is Jordi Alba. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. And but more importantly, you know, when you're younger, you just get back on defense faster with more intensity and more effort, and that's what Junior Firpo does. You know, I'm not saying he's a better defender all time than Alba, but you can just noticeably see the effort that he puts in when he runs back. And again, he still makes some silly fouls here and there, but when I'm just talking 1v1 right now, Alba 2020, February, I'm not talking Alba circa 2010, you know, when he scored the game, you know, all these awesome goals. (laughs) He's just not as dynamic. And we're basically, you know, when him and Suarez were up there, we're losing basically because we're just walking all over the park. I, I wouldn't say that I was happy because I'm never happy when someone gets yeah, injured. Yeah, of but I, I take 
I take your point. I get what you mean. And I, I'm glad that Furpo got the time for this match. And it looks like he'll probably have at least one or two more 90-minute opportunities. I would at least choose him over Samedo or, you know, yeah. trying to repurpose a right back or a center back as a left back. We've seen how poorly that goes under Valverde. I don't think Setien would do that. Yeah, because Setien knows him, right? So he has faith in him. He had him in the whole season at Betis. And at Real Betis, he, like, he played the whole season, essentially. So he has complete faith. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, on paper, of course, Jordi Alba is a better player. But again, we just always have to remember and just look at the tape. I mean, just watch him in the, in the match. He's walking. He's not doing anything. So, again, I'd rather just cut my losses right now, have Alba come in as subs, you know, but have Junior Furpo start and be the starter for the rest of the season. You don't play football on paper. No, you don't. You play it on tape. <laughs> I don't know. That's my experience. That's where I see it happen. It's on, it's on my screen. But as far as scoring goes, Hatafe almost went ahead first in the 23rd minute on this corner kick. It was ultimately called back for a foul on Umtiti. Neom slammed into Umtiti and left him on the deck before he put away that rebound off the Ter Stegen's initial save. The ref called it back after a video review. I read one commentator writing for Marca who said it was the right call. I agree. As I Because Neom seemed to really go out of his way to try and shove Umtiti down. A clear foul. Not only shove, but he used his elbow right in his throat. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like he yeah. just, you know, he did, you know, you're looking at me right now. It wasn't like he had his hands extended. He did like this, you know, right to his chops, you know. Yeah, so, a little Chuck Norris action. It was. It was a little WWE too, you know, <laughs> just right in the chops, you know. And, you know, again, when we watched the replay in the bar when I was watching with my friends, like, you know, you you clear you clearly see the play. And the reason why Neon was wide open is because Umtiti was on the deck. Right. <laughs> you know, he put, so, him there. <laughs> he put him there. So, again, good job on the VAR to see that. But, again, you know, this game was a lot of back and forth, especially in the beginning. They were both trying to feel each other out. And we knew this was going to be a tough match. And luckily, luckily, we were eventually able to score first because if they score first, I really think the, the, the result of this game is completely different. Yeah. But we did score first in the 33rd minute with. What I can only call a magical assist from Messi for Griezmann to finish, making it one nothing Barcelona. I've watched it on replay 20 times. <laughs> Honestly, just just Messi's touch to put it right in Griezmann's path. And the run from Griezmann, excellent to get into that space. But Messi's touch was... When I first saw it on replay, when I was just watching the game, I couldn't even tell how he did it. Yeah. It just seemed like he like moved it with his mind. <laughs> into Griezmann's path when I saw it again with like a, a better angle it made more sense but like the geometry of it just this is just world class all around man yeah I mean this is the type of pass and finish as anyone who plays you dream of and you try to draw up and maybe you play it in FIFA but like you said the assist with the amount of weight on it and the way he found Griezmann and then also Griezmann's finish that is not a, a, an easy finish that he did to be able to touch it and to have it go over the keeper and then finish it. So again, as we just talked about in the earlier part of this episode, it is vital, 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 vital that these two are on the same page because yes, yeah, Suarez can come back at the end of April. We're not, but in these tough matches coming leading up to April, Griezmann and Messi are our two best forward options and they have to be on the same page. And you can see when they are magic happens it's world-class. That goal, I mean, that is a golasso assist and a golasso goal. Yeah, and I don't think you'll be able to answer this, but did the play to you look almost like a training ground 
setup or something that just happened in the moment, spontaneous? No, I mean, it, it definitely just, it's, you know, when you know when the player is going to do something, you just do it, right? And Messi just has the foresight to do it. So it does come from the training ground because he probably knew that Griezmann was going to make that run like that. So yeah, but to be able to execute it at that high level like that is something else. I mean, again, you wish to say that, yeah, they probably practiced this 20 times, but they probably haven't. It's just more about understanding where Griezmann was going to be and anticipate that and then make that pass. And then on top of that, Griezmann to finish it. Because again, like I told you, Brian, the keeper was coming out hard. That's a hard finish to do. And the way he just took his time, again, that is the difference between a world-class player and an average player. An average player gets that blocked or miffs it, right? But the calmness that Griezmann is able to just focus on his technique and just hit it over the keeper, it's just out of this world. Yeah, well, not to you know, stroke Griezmann's hair too much because he also had (laughs) that opportunity where he was wide open and he just sent it into the sky. (laughs) You you can't bat a thousand. (laughs) But in that moment, he was he was playing primo football. He was. He gets this first goal. Exactly. And then we got a two goal lead six minutes later when Sergio Roberto scored his first goal of the season. The cross came in from Junior Furpo and Fati dummied it. And then Sergi was unmarked to make it two nothing. What what stood out for you in this goal? Fati dummying it. Honestly. Fati, okay, okay. But I'm also I, as I watched the replay, I was watching how Sergi was moving, how the the defense was pushing up with Fati with Griezmann, and then essentially Sergi had open space to move into. No one tracked with him, and then the pass in from Junior was great. But the fact that Fati knew or However, he knew to run over it and let it go. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was a call from Sergi or if it was another training ground situation, but he pulled a Suarez, dummied it, and it worked. Yeah. For me, it was the Sergio Roberto. I think it was his first shot of the year. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've been clamoring for this the whole time. I mean, just shoot the ball, shoot the glass, right? And he finally did. And I did a double take when I realized it was Roberto that actually hit the shot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, this is the thing is that. You never know what's going to happen if you actually take a shot on goal. Now, obviously, he was able to convert on that. But imagine the goalkeeper gets a hand on that. We still had two guys in the box that could have got a rebound. And so that's what we're always clamoring about. It doesn't, you know, obviously, it was a really nice build-up play. Really nice center from Firpo. Uh, really nice dummy run from Fati. But again, you could have seen in other matches Roberto stopping the ball and passing it back into the center, yes, right? Yes. But he finally took a one-time shot, and you can see what happens. Again, the most important thing is to get goals, and so really nice play from everyone. And you can, and the other thing too that really stood out was the two fullbacks being involved in this play. Again, as we highlighted with the Messi and Griezmann partnership, it, it's really going to take everyone to really score goals for this team. You know, before with Messi playing four, we could depend on a lot of link-up play, but now. We really need everyone on board to really contribute to score goals. Yeah, and I read an article. I forget. I think it's something like 15 or 16 different players have now scored for Barcelona. Like Sergio Roberto is like 15th or 16th. But also I think that Setien is starting to impress this idea on the team more. That we're not just looking to one or two guys to score goals. We're looking to whoever to score goals. I mean, we could probably even track. I would bet. I don't know, but I would bet 
that if we looked at who has scored since Setien took over, we would start to see like more variety and there would be like it would be two very different graphs. Goal scorers under Valverde versus goal scorers under Setien. <laughs> Even in the small handful of games he's managed. Yeah, I would say that's true. I mean, the other thing too is, you know, with Setien, I think he just realizes that it's just really going to take a group effort and to give the green light. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, we need to score more goals, but also to, you know, give attention to that, to give green light, to give confidence to those players to do that because eventually we need everyone to to be on board to actually contribute to score goals and if we do that then no one can really mark up on one single player and that just allows more space for Messi yeah now Getafe of course did get one back in the second half Angel Rodriguez came on in the 52nd minute and then in the 66th Getafe got a counter on and Angel was right in that number nine spot PK just missed the cross in and then Angel volleyed it in to make it 2-1 I mean, this is a golazo too. I mean, this is, he was on top of the box and he, and he got enough pace to beat Ter Stegen, which is, you know, obviously Germany's number two goalkeeper. I mean, we'll talk about his two amazing saves in this match, but again, uh, it was a really nice volley and you have to give credit to Tafi because they kept pressuring and they kept pushing. And, you know, with this goal, it became a lot more interesting because there was a moment of time there, Brian, where we were up to nothing and we were going through the preseason motions. Mm-hmm. You know, we were kind of just, eh, we'll just, I mean, kick the ball around and the ball went out of bounds. That's ah, okay. We're up to nothing. And all of a sudden this volley and all of a sudden we're like, uh oh, two one. Even the commentator when I was watching in the bar was making a, a note about it. He's like, Hitafe's alert and ready to pounce. Yeah. And they were, then they started putting a lot more pressure on Barcelona after that. And Barcelona did handle it, uh, more or less, but it, it was more like when it was still scoreless. It was, it was not pretty and it was more nail biting. Exactly. That's the same thing. Even though we, we won the possession game. It was not clear, strong possession where we were moving the ball around and they were chasing us. It was almost like they were chasing us and we were kind of out of fear for life. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to get the ball around, you know, (laughs) and hoping we were going to connect on passes. It was always about hope rather than having a clear plan and a clear ideology of where we're going to pass through that midfield. Again, when Hitafe scored that goal, you can just see the the confidence. All of a sudden, you know, we're back in this game. We can do this. And especially the way Barcelona was just going through the motions as well. Right. But after that goal, Barca did have other chances that they didn't score on. But Hitafe had a real threat of bringing that score level in the 72nd minute. It was on a free kick. Ter Stegen, though, made an unreal save. He got something like four touches on the ball ultimately swatting it away and out of danger. I mean, I was joking with my friends yesterday. That's Germany's number two goalkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we've talked about his talent. The number one goalkeeper must be amazing. I know. Super amazing. (laughs) Uh, We've, I mean, we've highlighted his, you know, his talents and his ability to reflect the ball and everything this season. I mean, he continues to be the best player throughout the season from start to finish so far. And again, if you watch that play, you know, he makes the initial save and then he swats at it and then he does enough to push it out of the way of the oncoming players. It's just a great heads up play. He is, you know, remarkable. He's such a great shot stopper. And again, if he doesn't make that save, all of a sudden it's 2-2 and the game goes in a different direction. So again, he is super important to our defense and especially in these little plays especially on set plays you know Hitafe was really strong on their set plays yesterday and you'd expect Hitafe to be strong on their set plays because you know that they're having an amazing year they're having their own historic year they're still only what third or fourth in La Liga they're they're in Europe in Europa League they're probably going to make Europa League again they've really come a long way and they're having an amazing year 
But even so, you know that they don't have a huge budget. They don't have a super deep bench. So they're going to try and find their opportunities. And set pieces are where, you know, sort of all things equalize. So they're exactly. going to have strong set plays. It's a good point. I mean, they, they gave us a lot of pressure. I mean, we saw what we talked about in the first goal that they almost went up one nothing. Again, that's where you, when you are a team of lesser talent, that's where you always have to maximize your opportunities on set plays, especially on corner kicks. And they were able to do that. They gave us a lot of pressure. And again, as we always highlight with our team, we hate physicality. And that was apparent yesterday. They were grabbing, holding, you know, just about to cross the line to get a card. And the referee was able to, you know, that's what usually happens with physical teams. They kind of just push that line. And the referee has seen so much of the fouls that he starts to let more fouls happen. And again, that was starting to happen. And we don't want that. You know, we don't like to play that style. We want to play more technical. And again, you could start to feel that. I mean, luckily, we were able to get the victory and along with Ter Stegen saves, get those three points. Yeah. And there's also the fact that Hatafe committed more fouls, but Barcelona had more yellow cards. Yeah. That actually just sort of shows like how good they are at being physical without taking too many cards. That's a good point. That's a good point because that's their that's their play. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's you know, this has always been in the dawn of sports. You know, the finesse team against the physical team. Right? It doesn't matter what sport you play, and when you're the physical team, you're always going to be have a, a chance because the referee is going to adapt to the more of the physical. And it's going to level the playing ground. I mean, we've seen this in NFL, basketball, anything. And again, Hitafe has adapted this style because that suits him the best. And that's why they're doing really well because all the teams in La Liga, I would say, are not physical, right? I mean, maybe Athletic Bilbao, you know, I would say they would be a physical team at Madrid, obviously, Atletico Madrid. But everyone else is usually pretty finesse oriented. Yeah, they generally try to be more like finesse teams. But yeah, there yeah. are those couple exceptions who would be just as happy playing in Italy. And, you know, with the Ter Stegen thing, it, it's a great gift to have such a good goalkeeper who can really save you at times. It's a, it's a very fortunate thing to have. With a team like Barcelona, though, where you expect such finesse and great scoring out on the pitch and the outfield players, it doesn't speak well of the team in its current state that Ter Stegen is the best player of the season so far. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, he continues to make great saves, keep up in the game, and get his points, and if we didn't have him at the beginning of the season, who knows what would have been happening. Maybe we're, we're trailing Real Madrid by 10 points, you know, because all of a sudden we're not getting those three points. But again, he has been a great captain this season. He's been more vocal. Obviously, there's been the rumors that he got into the vocal shouting match with Messi, which is that's saying a lot. Yeah. Right. I mean, that happened a couple of weeks ago. That was the, you know, the rumors here in Spain. But again, Ter Stegen is becoming the most important defender on our team. You know, especially with all the transition that's going with PKMTT and then Longley, obviously. So, again, we've we've highlighted how much we love him, the ability he has to pass. We just want to see him become the German number one. I think he deserves that, obviously. Yeah. But also, again, he has been he has had an incredible MVP performance for Barca this season. Yeah. Now, one final thing is the fact that Messi didn't score in this game, but he did have the one assist and a lot of incredible dribbles uh, by the numbers. He had the most shots with six, the most shots on target with two, the most take-ons or dribbles completed with five, and the most chances created with three. Now, we talked about this in more detail in our members-only segment. Just still a great game from Messi, but no goals. Again, we talk about, you, you know, he's becoming the number 10 all, you know, outright, essentially. So, again, we need just more balance up top, and I think we'll be able to 
play off of that even more and have more success and more goals. So again, when you watch the film, Messi wants to do all that playmaking and he wants to do it. Setien's giving him the green light. We just need more balance. Obviously, I think he'll break the funk of the four-game goalless streak, which is incredible because four goals without a goal. I mean, any striker in the world would love to have that type of streak, you know, because that means they're just on fire all the time. So I think he'll definitely find the, the back of the net sooner than later. Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.